G'day everyone, welcome back to Free Kick, the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host Liam and you're joining me today for another episode of our Clubs in Day series. Today we have the Frio Dockers and I'm joined by my co-host Will. Will, how are you going? I'm very well, thank you Liam. How are you going? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm off, to be perfectly honest with you, we just recorded the Essendon podcast and so it's going to be a bit sad to have to talk about a team that I don't love as much, but I'm keen as mustard because we have a huge interview, a massive, one of our biggest. Yep, and we've also got another big interview. We've got two interviews in this one. Which it's actually outrageous. Is just outrageous. We've got some great insight from a couple of Frio players. I reckon this is going to be a fantastic one. Yep, so I'm not even going to bother going through a whole bunch of other stuff. Will. I'm going to throw it straight to you. What was Frio like last year? Give me the ins and outs. Give me the roundabouts. Yeah, season seven was actually probably their first genuinely disappointing season in the competition. Finished with three wins, six losses, and a draw, which was quite a disappointing season following on from the previous season in 2022, season six, where they were, again, one of the, the finals um, contenders. Um, there was a, a, quite a few reasons for, for that. They barely had a fit team for a lot of last season. Um, so they'll be looking to, to push back in towards finals uh, in season eight, uh, the list has stayed fairly consistent. Uh, the only major out was Janelle Cuthbertson leaving to the power. Uh, so they're, they're basically mostly looking for the players that they were missing through injury to come back fit and firing for this season. Yeah, and there's there's kind of one player that we're really going to have to talk about in this episode, and it could take up half of the episode, but... Before we kind of go on too far, let's talk about who we got for the interview. Will, who'd you get to chat to? So we were very, very lucky. We First up here, we're going to have a, a chat with Laura Pugh, defender for the Dockers. Uh, it was fantastic to get her insight into the club and hear a bit more about how they're going in the preseason and what we can expect from the Dockers coming up in 2023. Today we have another very exciting AFLW interview. We've got Laura Pugh here from Freer Dockers. How's it going? Very good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Of course. And we're joined by my co-host, Will. How's it going, Will? Very well, thank you. Excellent. I am actually a Freer supporter, so also very excited to have you here. I've got my actually little... (laughs) That's a good start. Let's just chuck this on now. Yeah, very. <laughs> Didn't have that prepared at all. Um, <laughs> Just for the listeners at home, I'm now the only one not wearing purple. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to set that merch close by. Will, what are you doing? Um, well, so last season was a bit tough um, for the Dockers. Definitely going in hoping for flag mantle, and uh, kind of came out a little bit not not as great as went in. Um, how like what were the kind of learnings you came out of the season with, and how are you going to take some of those into season eight? Yeah, I think, yeah, last um, season was quite disappointing for the whole group. Um, yeah, kind of got away from us, I guess. But we know, yeah, we had lots of injuries and we felt mm. um, even in some of the more um, competitive games like at Adelaide and Melbourne, we're still able to compete, but just not for like the four quarters. So we still have a yeah a lot of trust in each other and what we can do. Um, and then this year, I guess having um, Lisa Webb 
um, back will be, yeah, really interesting and refreshing. And, yeah, we're looking forward to um, what this season will bring. Mm. Mm. So I guess on that note, the preseason's now just about to begin or has begun in, in a lot of cases. So how is the team shaping up and moving into this new season? How are you feeling about, you know, pushing back in towards that finals contention? Yeah, it was really good. We've actually had a um, kind of proper break following the last season. Um, and then we have our pre-pre-season. Um, so lots mm-hmm. of strength and things like that. Um, yeah, which has been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, this year, just looking yeah, forward to getting back into that finals contention, definitely. Um, with, yeah, more of, I guess, a new game plan. Um, and yeah, with our new players and recruits, which will be, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah, so that uh, Doc's had... We also actually spoke to one of the draftees recently, um, Emily. Um, so had a few few new people joining the team. Um, and I guess you mentioned injuries before, like one of the things we saw was kind of injuries through the forward line as well. Um, how is that kind of going, shaping that up into season eight? Like what type of changes are going through? Um, yeah, everyone's looking yeah pretty fit. I guess with having that break and just being able to focus on that rehab um, for like extended period of times and getting that right has been really good. So yeah, we're all looking pretty healthy, which will be great coming into this season, especially with training and things like that. You just want everyone out on the track. Um, so yeah, good vibes at the moment. Yeah, it's really good to hear. And I guess, as you said, injuries really played a big part last year and it meant that one of the big issues for the Dockers last season was struggling to kick a winning score. It doesn't really help when a lot of your forwards are missing. Mm-hmm. Um, so how have you really gone about, you know, fixing up that forward line issue? Have you had any discussions about that at these early days or is that just one of the the key challenges that you're aiming to to address going into the new season? Yeah, I think um, oh, it will definitely come from, I guess, even, you know, our defence and mids helping the forwards as well. Mm. Um, not just, yeah, the forwards alone. It's definitely a whole team focus about scoring and um, we, yeah, there will definitely be, I guess, um, you know, the new recruits and kind of people potentially in different positions and things like that just to see how we can change that. I'm sure that will be trialled um, in the preseason. Um, and, yeah, so looking forward to kicking some yeah bags of goals yeah so moving to yourself personally i i do have to ask because you have got a fabled basketball background which everyone loves in uh in the afl circles um would i be correct to say that you represented uh western australia back in the day for basketball yeah i did yeah when i was it feels like many many (laughs) years ago yeah fantastic so i suppose we can call you a cross-code athlete in that sense how have you really sort of I guess my question is, what was your pathway to get into AFLW? Obviously, it wasn't a uh, an easy pathway back in the day, and you've come through basketball. How have you really implemented those basketball skills into your game? And and can you give us a bit of insight into how you've actually come into the AFLW system? Yeah, yeah. So I yeah was playing basketball, I guess, since I was younger, and did go through those um like yeah WA representative teams, which was amazing, and played um in WA we have like SBL which is now like NBL one. Um, so played that, warmed the bench really well there, um, which was really good. Played with some, yeah, amazing women that I guess have taught me a lot about how to play competitive sport, um, which, yeah, so privileged to be around that community. And then um, I guess didn't ever kind of break through into that next level there. So I had a year off. Um, and then, yeah, one of my friends just invited me down to play footy at West Perth and it was like a reserves team. Um, but yeah, had the greatest time. I think we got beat a hundred nil the first game I played. 
Um, but I was like, oh, this is great. You know, you get to run. You're on the field for, like, most of the time. Um, yeah, so that was amazing. And then, yeah, just from there, I guess, kind of progressed. Um, we then went into league and that's when kind of the AFLW had started. So I think timing was pretty amazing. Um, and, yeah, I guess with, like, the transfer of skills, there is quite a bit. I think, yeah, reading the play is probably a big one. Um and yeah, probably well, definitely not kicking. Um, <laughs> you know, so I had to develop some very specific skills. Um, but yeah, I've loved every minute of it. Given you came from a different sport, like how old were you when you kind of transitioned from basketball to footy and like started a, like somewhat afresh with a new sport? Um, I would have been. I think I started when I was twenty-two or twenty-one, twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to think that there's like girls coming in now that are way younger than that with so much like so many yeah. years of footy mm. experience. Yeah, it's amazing. That's very good. You've managed to, you know, develop into a, a really solid uh, defender as part of a good defensive unit, and you're now part of the leadership group, I believe, which is a fantastic thing. Have you seen your development as a player, I suppose, from that, you know, basketball convertee into, you know, a leader of a backline? Um, yeah, I mean, it was very gradual and definitely learned off, you know, everyone that kind of was there, like my first year at Frio, um, you know, I was in and out of the side and there was, you know, amazing defenders that I was playing with um, that I learned so much of um, and then yeah I guess you just get the opportunities as you go and I guess communication on the field was like a big um, thing for me and kind of mm. I guess how I've been able to establish that role um, which is yeah but definitely yeah learn off all the amazing women before. <laughs> Absolutely. So what are you, like, personally looking forward to most this season, either, like, personal development at the game or, like, games-wise? Um, I think with this extended break, I just just want to play. Um, <laughs> I just want to play some footy. Um, we've had, yeah, I guess the summer kind of off and then a few girls went back and played um, Waffle W. Yeah. I guess I had a bit more of a break there. But going and watching those games, you kind of get the itch to get back out there. So, yeah, just to play and um yeah, being around the club and the team is just, yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, it's good to get back into that routine. Absolutely. And we, we wouldn't really be talking about, you know, AFLW fantasy without talking about some of your teammates. For the, the first one we do want to talk about is Kiara Bowers, who continues to put up incredible numbers in the midfield alongside uh, Captain Haley Miller. I guess with those two look primed to continue being really good midfielders for, you know, the foreseeable future, does having that real competitiveness around the ball and that leadership in the midfield make you stand taller as a unit, I suppose? And how much have you learned from them as, as a leader yourself? Yeah, it's funny. I get, like, goosebumps when you say their names. They're amazing <laughs> yeah, leaders and um, just the way they go about, you know, all their craft and all the running and strength and everything that we have to do. They just, yeah, I guess they go above and beyond in all the areas. And I think that just builds a lot of trust with the group. I mean, my fantasy team, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you play uh, ahead of season eight. <laughs> yeah, Kiara, Kiara Bowers puts up some exceptional numbers. So she's yeah. definitely one of the first people that most people pick. So, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing seeing her, like, obviously, as a female footy athlete, objectively amazing compared to all of kind of some of the statistics that uh, other players get. But when you compare the game time minutes of her and the ability to tackle compared to the men's, like, she just absolutely blogs them all. It's. <laughs> So impressive. I mentioned before that we had an interview recently with um, Emily, one of the new draftees. Have you found that um, some of the new players have settled in and have you had much to kind of do with them so far? Yeah, so we had a bit of a kind of like talent academy over the break where we just 
um, caught up in, yeah, kind of focusing on skills and things like that. Um, and, yeah, after the draft, um, those four girls were down there. So, yeah, it's been, yeah, amazing. And it's just, yeah, really refreshing to have, um, yeah, some new girls down there. And, yeah, they've all got great character. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, we have to spend every day with each other now, so it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose a, a follow-up question for that is the draft was obviously a bit different this year and with the um, more mature age picks as opposed to the the young draftees that we normally see. Has that changed the way that you've, or as a team, you've gone about bringing these players in? Obviously, a lot of them probably have um, experience with some of the other players through the Waffle W, but it, has it been a bit different or is it mostly just new players as regular? Um, yeah, probably quite similar to each year. And I think, um, yeah, probably with drafting, we've kind of always drafted from like a, a range of age, I guess, in each year. Um so, yeah, probably quite similar to the previous years. And I suppose with a player like uh, Emily Fiedler, are, are these players, because they are a bit more experienced, more likely to break into the side early or are they making an instant impact? Have you got any idea about where they might fit in at this stage? Yeah, it'd be good if we could just play all 30 players, really. That'd be <laughs> um, but, no, to be honest, yeah, it's open and everyone, I guess, in the last trainings that we've had, you know, everyone's competing and absolutely fighting for a spot. So, yeah, it's really good because it makes it really competitive, um, and yeah, makes us yeah, it's going to make us better in the long run. Yeah, nice. Um, so I guess final question that we have here is, uh, who are you expecting to see a big season from uh, ahead of season eight? Is there any kind of like breakout contenders we should be watching? Um, I think one of my like favorite athletes on your tie, um, mm. tall Irish forward. Um, I think. Yeah, she played exceptional last year. We just need to get her the ball a bit more. Mm. Um, when I get to sit in the back line and watch her <laughs> run and jump and kick the ball, yeah, I got the best seat in the house. Um, and even, yeah, training with her is a mate. Like, yeah, she's just an amazing athlete. Yeah, probably also, yeah, Megs Kaufman. She had her first season last year mm. um, on the amateurs. Again, had a great season last year. But I think, yeah, her confidence will be through the roof and she's probably the strongest person I've ever seen in my life. Um, wow. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, but looking forward to everyone. Like everyone's, yeah, come back really fit and ready to go. So, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, fantastic. And, yeah, we've been watching Anya Tai for, you know, the last few seasons and she's played in a variety of roles, but she seems to have really found her home in that forward line. So hoping for a lot more goals from her this season. Yeah, definitely. We've got to get it to her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, nice. Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for the chat. Uh, looking forward to watching Dockers this year. Thank yeah, brilliant. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was a fantastic conversation to listen to. I'm sure you enjoyed it. I'm sure it was entertaining for all our listeners as well. But we're just going to jump straight into the next interview because it's a huge name. Yeah, it sure is. And we had Mel there on the Laura Pugh one, but I think she was very disappointed to miss out on this one. We got to talk to probably one a top three player, I reckon, in terms of favourites of the co-hosts. It's the skipper herself, Hayley Miller. I was blown away when we finally managed to get it this year. So, Will, I'm just going to throw straight to you in the interview. Enjoy this chat with Hayley Miller. G'day everyone, and today we are joined by a very, very special guest. We have Fremantle superstar Hayley Miller with us today. Hayley, how's it going? Very good, thank you. Excited to be a part of it. We're very excited to have you. You are an absolute favourite of us here on the podcast. I'm pretty sure you're, you're Mel's favourite player. She's a Freo supporter, so she'll be very jealous that she can't be here today. 
Um, first question, how's preseason going for you? Yeah, it's great. Obviously, um, we've got a new coach, so there's um, there's been a lot of, I guess, learning. Um, both, obviously, you've got a lot of new girls that, that come in, so they're always learning. But for us that have been around a, a while now, um, yeah, it's, it's been refreshing um, for me personally to to learn so many new things and new game plans and, and whatnot. So it's really tested um, me both mentally and physically always, always is tough physically, but um, certainly mentally um, learning, learning a lot of new stuff. So it's, it's been really good. Yeah, absolutely. And 2022 was a bit of a roller coaster year for, for you at Fremantle. Um, season six was a, a great season culminating in a, in a prelim final. Then it was a bit more of a disappointing season seven. Um, you wrote a fantastic article on the AFLW website, actually about that drop-off for the Dockers and how you sort of dealt with it. But for those who may not have read that, can you give us a bit of insight into how you felt post-season, both personally and within the club? Yeah, I think, well, for me, um, I had a, coming off a really, really solid um, season six. Um, it was my sort of breakout best sort of season that I've had um, through my time in the AFLW. And then, you know, it was my first season as captain and and the team was going really well. Um, we had a few challenges. We went into a hub, but that probably in the overall um, was a really positive thing for, for the club rather than sort of um, a negative or, or a difficulty there. Um, we were really successful when we were over in um, Melbourne in the hub. Mm. It was like we had the whole entire group could just focus on football. There's a few that were working, but, um, you know, it, it was mainly just we were there to play football and enjoy each other's company. So, um, yeah, we were really solid and we were probably lucky, I guess, um, you know, injury-wise we were pretty pretty good through season six and then coming to season seven and, um you know, maybe it was an accumulation of of games or, um, you know, just general load, but we had a lot of injuries um, both mm. early on sort of pre-season um, and then throughout the season it was like every every week or couple of weeks there was another sort of series and there were serious injuries. It wasn't just, you know, little niggles that you could play through. It was, you know, um, shoulders and, um, you know, Juddy obviously pre um, season did a hamstring really bad needed surgery on that Ebony Antonio's um, knee you know that that was almost a whole whole season so there was some really solid outs for us so that didn't help and then I think you know every everyone was dealing with it in terms of every team was dealing with um, you know coming off a season at the start and then and then coming back and doing it again I think the mental um, fatigue from that was was pretty difficult to be mm, honest so yeah um you know for for teams like I look at um you know teams like Melbourne that that were obviously able to read back that up and and go and win the premiership in um season seven it was it's really impressive because I'm sure no doubt you know they probably didn't have the injuries that we had which probably you know was the catalyst for everything sort of falling away quite badly for us. But, um, you know, for any team to back up the one season and and chuck another one in there, it's different if you can kind of plan for that. It was mm. almost, you know, if you'd planned for it years in advance, you'd, you'd probably be okay. But it was, yeah, we finished the first season and it was like, bang, we're going to do another one um, straight after. And there was very little sort of preparation time in there um, for our support staff. Um as well as the players. So it was pretty tough to go from such a good season to then, you know, um, yeah, we just didn't have the results there. And then Mm. 
I guess personally for me, I was injured in the sort of the short off season that we had. So I had no sort of second preseason, I suppose, um, going into the season. So it was a little bit, it's low on confidence uh, more than anything. Um, I felt physically ready by the time, you know, we came into it, but just low on that confidence and, you know, was my body going to sort of um, mm. hold up? But it did, which which was great. And I sort of built into the season a little bit better towards the end. But, um, yeah, for me, it was it was pretty difficult going from such a high to and trying to keep everyone, you know, as a captain, you're mm. going to try and keep everyone happy and, and you know, you're going to keep going week to week, which is which is pretty difficult when um, things aren't going your way. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was you actually uh led straight to the question I was gonna ask next, which is your brand new captain in that first season, as you said, you had a really brilliant individual season. It must have been really difficult moving into that second season as as a new captain. As you said, you've got injury problems, there's no preseason. How how did that sort of test your leadership, I suppose? Yeah, well, I guess it the the two sides of the coin there with um when everything's going well, you know, that's when my job is incredibly easy, I think. Mm. A lot of people say, oh, you know, you've had a pretty tough, um, I guess, intro into captaincy with um, the hub and, and all that, which there were things, there were parts in there that were really difficult um, because it was more so dealing with girls' lives outside of football mm, and how yeah. you support that. And, and you know, you don't, for me, I wasn't working. So I didn't have that exact same experience as them. I was like, well, this is for me, this is great. We can be here all together for the football side of things. It's great. But borders changing and whatnot, there was a lot of just external stress um, from everyone's life perspective. So trying to keep that under control was difficult. Um, obviously, it's not just me. I've got um, a really great yeah. support network around me in my um, leadership group. But Trent was fantastic as well um, as the head coach at the time, um, supporting us all sort of through that. Um, and then I think, yeah, coming into season seven, it was almost, you know, the, the flip side of that, things weren't going our way. There was injury after injury. And um, I think sometimes the hardest thing is just getting getting the girls to reset and and go again the next week. And it's not, you know, every game is sort of, winnable and you can be up there and whatnot but to get the girls to believe that that is the case especially when you got these solid injuries happening sort of each week I suppose Mm. um but to to the credit of our our group I think there wasn't a lot of you know we're at completely out of this we can and it showed against sort of Melbourne um and Adelaide where we didn't lose by a lot Mm, yeah it was hard because we did lose because it you just don't get that um, sort of endorphin or that adrenaline rush of of winning a game like yeah. that, but so close to it. Um, but I think in hindsight, like it, it was difficult at the time, but in hindsight, I think it puts us in a really good position going mm. forward because there's a lot of these girls when they first came in, we'd, we'd been pretty successful probably through 2019 um, up until season seven, like we'd been in finals and whatnot pretty much every year. Um I think some of, one of the years, some of the girls came in and they had 11 wins um, mm, straight yeah. off the bat, didn't know what it was like to sort of to not have that success. So sometimes you do, you know, as, as as much as that's really nice, sometimes having a bit of a dip and having to really work for a win. So we did mm. get a couple of wins at the end of last season, yeah, which absolutely. was fantastic. And that, and that builds your confidence and, and gets that a bit of, bit of the endorphin rush um, at the end of the season. Um, 
but yeah, the, the girls are then hungry. They go, we, we don't want to feel how we felt at the start of sort of last season. We want to feel how we felt at the end in terms of just those getting the wins on the board. And um, so then that obviously rolls into this season. It's like that drive to really step it back up and, um, you know, redeem ourselves, I suppose, from from that season seven. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you've mentioned, obviously, injuries played a huge part in the struggles of last season. So heading into this new season, how is the list shaping up on that preseason injury front? And is is the list looking fit and firing so that you can keep that momentum going into the new season? Or has the sort of, there been a bit of a, because it's been a long preseason, has that sort of been something you'd have to really focus on? No, our, our group's actually in a, um, a really good spot at the moment. Um you might have seen that um, the I guess it was it was horrible um, yeah. <laughs> that it's happened again. That um, Michaela Morrison, yes, I did see um, that. She obviously just I think it was literally her first training session, mm. full training. Like she obviously been in training and, and building towards full training. I think it might have been her first or second full training, and um, unfortunately did the the opposite ACL yeah. um, that she just rehabbed, and that. Yeah, definitely took a big hit um, to the group as she's got some really um, close friendships with with a lot of girls that went through that first rehab with her. It's horrible for her, but the, those girls obviously see, um, we all see how how difficult and know how difficult um, that is to, to go through and get so close to sort of coming back. And she didn't get the, um, you know, the the excitement of playing a game mm. um, still just in, in training. So um, that was, that's pretty different and will be an ongoing um, thing. She's just had surgery. So we'll keep wrapping our arms around her and, and supporting her as much as we can. Um, so that's obviously um, a big, a big hit because she was um, firing um, mm. that, that training session. No one yeah. could touch her. You just think, wow, like she's going to be, it's like having a new, um, a new recruit. Yeah. Absolutely. In, but we're going to have to wait wait another 12 months um, for that one, unfortunately. But apart from that, we're, we're pretty um, fit. There's a you know a few niggles as, as you would have mm. um, any time. But, yeah, we, we're looking in a, in a good spot, which is, which is great. And um, our high-performance team um, do a fantastic job in keeping us um, fit and, um, yeah, in, in top shape. So um, feeling really good. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear because, as we said, injuries really did play havoc on the on the Dockers last season. Um, you mentioned new coach uh, Lisa Webb, who's who's come on board for signed a three year deal, I believe. Um, first, firstly, um, is it a bit strange having a former teammate as your your senior coach? And secondly, how's she been uh, introducing you know her coaching style onto the playing group? Yeah, I, I get along with um, Webby really well, and always have, and I think that's something that she. Um, really brings to the group is just the um I guess the relationships that she already has and then her ability to build relationships with with people and continue to build on them um is is one of the best I've I've seen and, and been involved in. Um she's a, a teacher um or former teacher so that helps in terms of the education and learning side of things. She's extremely organized and um, I guess methodical in the way that she's set it out for us to learn it which which helps a lot because there is a lot of new things new terminology and things that that she wants us to to learn which it can it, it is difficult because you've we've like someone like myself we've done things a certain way for five 
seasons um, with Trent, um, and then to to change that and come in with a with a fresh perspective, it's um, yeah, there's challenges in that, but yeah, with, with Webby, I think um, her ability to build trust um, within the group and and trust what she's doing, and that we will get to a point where we feel extremely confident um and well rehearsed I suppose in what we want to do in every situation um I feel really confident that um yeah we're going to get to to the season and be um right where we need to be obviously at the moment we're still putting those things in into practice and and that's that's more than fine that's what your sort of pre-season's for but um yeah it's been fantastic to just have a fresh perspective new training drills it's everything is different so um no it's been fantastic yeah, that's really great to hear. And you know, obviously a new coach is always always a big deal at the club. So it sounds like she's fitting in really well. Um, a big part of the Fremantle makeup for a long time has been Juddy Donnell and, or now Cara Antonio. Um, how big a loss has, her, has she been? Because she, as I said, has been such an important part of, of your club for so long. Um, is there anyone that you, you've seen just, you know, this preseason who's really stepping up to sort of not replace, but um, fill in that sort of gap that she's left at the club? Yeah, she obviously um, has been a massive part of it, and um, I think it it was it was an adjustment, especially to start off with, to for her not to be um, around. She actually spent a lot of the pre preseason around still. She was still helping out um, the girls um, at the club, just doing some off feet sessions, and uh, she ran did all the rehab with uh, Morrow for her first ACL. So I'm sure we'll see her around um, sort of helping Morrow out um, the second time round. So she's not completely lost mm. um, to the club, but obviously not having her at training. Um, she's allowed, she's a loud voice, um, is not afraid to sort of um, give her opinion. And, and, and that, and I mean that in a good way in terms of learning and teaching mm. uh, the girls and and leading out there even even if she's not got the captaincy sort of um role or title she still sort of carried that through which was which is always great um to have I think the the first person that springs to mind that's really stepped up is um on your tire mm. and I think for her for the first few seasons she was injured so she didn't um, and she was new coming to the sport, so then spent two years on the sidelines. Didn't we didn't really get to see her um, sort of shine. And then season six, she was she was good, but was still kind of finding her feet a little bit. Season seven, she obviously um, shot through the roof, which we expected her to do because she is incredible um, in all facets mm. of the game. And now she's she's just taken her leadership in teaching others. Um, this sport that she's very new to still, you'd say in the yeah. in the grand scheme of things, but um, she herself was a teacher back in um, Ireland, so um, she's very good at at leading others and um, sort of, you know, finding a way that. And our our forward line is quite raw and young, um, and they needed a lot of guidance. So for her to be um, that sort of strong figure in the forward line, um, it's this preseason has certainly been, um, I guess, that that shining light in, in mm. the forward line. But in the group in general, she's um, she's really stepped up. So I'm excited to see what she can do this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to talk about uh, Anya and your forward line. But firstly, I do have to ask, how is Ebony coping with Cara not being there all the time? Yeah. I think she's all right. I think she's all right. <laughs> to be honest, you wouldn't even know that they're um that they're 
uh, married when when they're at the club. They're very professional and um, and whatnot. So it, there's not much, not too much <laughs> has, has changed. I'm sure um, it's just they. Yeah, I'm sure she goes home and and chats to to Juddy about about everything that goes on at um, the club and and should be still be her um, support network at home. So um, I think she she's doing just fine. That's good to hear. Um, you mentioned that, you know, your forward line is still pretty raw and a lot of that did come down to to a lot of injuries last year once again. Um, you mentioned on your tie, we had uh, Laura Pugh on uh, for an interview recently and she said on your tie, much like you said, is is ready to take her game to an absolute new level this season. But I guess just as a more general um, discussion point, how have you sort of as a group discussed that forward line? Because kicking a winning score was a big um, a big issue for you, I suppose, in season seven with that um, struggling forward line. So how how has there been uh, a discussion around not fixing, but making that forward line click so that you can be kicking those big scores? Yeah, I think it's it's playing to our um, strengths, which our new game plan, um, it, 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 I guess, addresses a lot of those mm. issues where uh, we're we're not afraid to say we're a small we're a small team apart from basically Anya and, and yeah. our rucks and even our ruck even even Mim you know she's undersized as a ruck so we're a, we're a small um, group in terms of um, height so working to bring the ball in not bombing it bombing it in long because we know that unless Anya's sort of in the right spot and and you know she she generally is but she's then going up against two or three um tall defenders it's extremely hard for her um to mark a contested ball every single every yeah, single time so we need to find different ways you know as a midfield or a half back to sort of um you know find entries into the forward line that are going to help our forwards be better um, I think it's not just on the forward line to sort of get in the right spots. Obviously, they need to do that, and that structure-wise, um, we certainly have some some new structures in place to to help that side of it as well. But I think for for us as a um, a midfield group, putting the ball to where they need it to be and and make it easier for them um, to to get marks inside um, forward fifty or at least lock the ball in um, the forward 50 and, and not have it bounce straight back out um, is certainly a big uh, focus for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose you know quite a bit about a uh, goal kicking Haley because I believe you actually are a former club leading goal kicker from season six. That's correct. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> so uh, have you been giving any uh, goal kicking advice out to the forwards or are you just uh, leaving it to the coaches and to the forwards to for that one? No, I just leave that, leave that to the coaches, um, leave it, leave it to them. But um, as my role sort of um, evolved, I, I spend a little bit of time in in the forward line. Um, but it's fantastic when I go down there now to to know that we have some leaders in the forward line that are, you know, telling me where to go and and what I need to do, which is which is what I need um, as well. Mm. You know, coming into a secondary position that you're not a hundred percent confident with, but. Um, yeah, I think well, season six it was it was great because we were able to get sort of one on ones and um, you know, get the ball in in quickly and and create some scoring opportunities. A lot of my goals came from the short time that I spent as a forward, rather mm. than people think that I was you know kicking heaps of goals as a midfielder. I did I kicked a couple probably um, as a midfielder, but I think a lot of them came from the short stints that I spent actual forward. Um, so yeah, I will be hoping to obviously exploit that um again this this season. And 
um, spend a little bit a little bit of time forward. So um, yeah, it's just goal kicking is a it's a difficult one because mm-hmm. you know it you've got to have the you know your set shot routines obviously super important, but um, being able to just have a bit of goal sense and and that kind of thing and those small forwards um, our small forwards have a lot more goal sense um, in those situations than I do, so they can teach <laughs> me a few. Very good, very diplomatic answer. You've, you talked a bit about, you know, the midfield roles and you've obviously got a very strong midfield core with yourself and Kiara Bowers. We all know how great Kiara Bowers is. But we, one thing we did actually quite notice was that you and Kiara were basically the two main midfielders and you rotated quite a few players through the centre across last season in particular. So I suppose, has there been anyone that you've noticed that's really stepped up to play those midfield roles um, this season or is it going to be continuing to rotate? How's the midfield group uh, forming this preseason? Yeah, it's a big it's a big midfield group um, at the moment, and and there are there are so many spots um, available in that, and so many strong um, contenders, which is which is fantastic. I think last season it were you know there were there were injuries, so it was mm. you, you kind of had to roll a few people through there and try and find you know what what fits best, and um, you know the the ones that sort of stand out to me. Um, is like um, Dana Reese didn't have a lot of um, opportunity to play midfield last season. She was kind of put a little bit more forward, um, but she's been training really strongly, particularly over the last couple of um, weeks, which is which is great because she was a real um, solid for us in in season six. Um, she's real in and under um, player, works really hard um, and, and on her tackling and that kind of thing. I think the big one. Um, was Meg Kaufman. She mm. in I guess she was more impressive, I suppose, in our preseason games last season. Um mainly because we were sort of, I guess, trialing different things and she was just, you know, playing on instinct and that kind of thing, which was great. Um probably fell away a little bit, or not fell away, but just didn't feel her impact as much um, mm. during the season as things weren't going our way quite so much. But She's even gone to another level again um, this preseason. So um, I'd expect to see her um, rolling through that that midfield. And we've got a new um, recruit in uh, TJ or Talia um, Mulder. So she's um, come from the Waffle and she's pretty raw, but um, really picking it up fast. And she looks exactly like um, me on our visual. And when we do vision <laughs> back on the training screen, no one can tell whether it's me or her. And um, you know what? I, I see that as a as a great thing um, in terms of her ability to get in and and burst out of um, clearances and and that kind of thing as well. So um, there there's so many that I could um, sort of name that are rolling through there and and putting their hands up. So um, you know, Turbo and I need to watch our backs, watch our spots. <laughs> Especially if one of them looks exactly like you, they might just exactly uh, sub you straight out. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm glad you brought up. Um... Meg Kaufman, because she was a player that we were quite fascinated watching. And she has a, such a fascinating story as well, because she was a former college tennis player plucked out of the, the amateur league. Um, and so it's it's really interesting to hear about her and, and her development. Um, one other player that we are quite interested in from a, a midfield forward perspective is Gabbo Sullivan. We know that she's very, very useful wherever she goes across the field. Uh, can you tell us if she's sort of set to be part of that midfield rotations or is she more staying up in that forward role to help out the forwards. Yeah, I hope she doesn't listen to this because I completely forgot about her. Um, <laughs> she's definitely, um, 
yeah, she's definitely obviously um, another one that's really solid um, in our uh, midfield and, um, but she also can go, has played a lot of forward before mm. and um, plays almost the self selfless role in yeah. the forward line and creates a lot of things. So I think a lot of people before, they didn't realise how good of a player she was because of the role that she played in our forward line. So, you know, um, then in, in season six, she played a little bit more of that midfield role and, and became, it was sort of the three of us, uh, myself, Turbo and um, Gabby that were, the real um, sort of solid of our our midfield um, and we were really successful and, and, you know, her bringing the ball into the forward line really quickly. She's a fast runner. She's super strong. Um, so, yeah, look, she's um, a fantastic player and she's she's looking sharp again um, this season. So, um, yes, I'm sure you'll see her um, <laughs> in, in the midfield uh, and probably, yeah, rolling forward, I'd say too. Yeah, fantastic. And and just from the, the fantasy side of things, I completely agree with you about her, you know, being a bit of an underrated player because we were watching her playing that forward role and she wasn't scoring very very well in the fantasy side of things. And we thought it's a fantastic role for Frio, but it's not good for us on a fantasy side of things. So we'd love to see yeah. her in the midfield getting the touches. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so just one final question, and we've hinted at a few names, but I'll, I'll give you a bit of time to actually uh, talk a bit more about them. Um, who at the Dockers do you reckon this season is set for a really big year, tearing up the track pre-season, you think is going to have a big breakout season in Season 8? I think, yeah, they're ones that I've spoken about um, already, but um, Onya is mm. is obvious um choice i suppose in my um that first pops into my head i think just the way that she goes about her training how much she's um putting into learning um the new sort of game plan and and things like that and helping others the more that you know the better our team goes i suppose is you know the better she's going to play we can get it to her in the forward line i think she sort of understands that and the best that we can all work together um you know is going to serve her and our forwards um really well she's extremely selfless though so um sometimes just getting her to you know go yourself and um hit the goal is 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 what we need but um she's certainly she's certainly set for a, a, a strong season um Meg, we just spoke about Meg Kaufman um, in terms of just her confidence in herself um, and her ability, I think, has, has again gone um, that next step up. So um, that's been fantastic. And Ellie Runnels um, has has taken her fitness um, to the next level. So she's been out on the wing um, for a couple of seasons um, now and watching her um, in our sort of vision and whatnot and that it's often showed how much sort of unrewarded running that she does and she'll get a kick and and then run down and, and get mm. the next kick as well. And, you know, the other player that does that is is Kiara Bowers. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's that's the way that you sort of um, really stamp your mark. If you're fit enough to just continually run and run and run, you're going to get more of the ball and you're going to obviously have sort of a breakout. So I'm really excited to see what um, she can do. And then I guess lastly, um, from the new draftees, um, we've got another. So we've got four Irish um, players now, but Joe Craig um has come in this season and and she's another one that's got an incredible tank on her, super strong, pretty small, but super strong um nonetheless. And I think as she develops in sort of confidence and and understanding of her um role, um, 
yeah, I think she'll she'll be solid for us as well. Yeah, amazing. Sounds like there's a lot of exciting talent to be watching in Freo, and we I do. Could love talk, it. I could <laughs> talk all day about all my teammates. It's we, hard to pick just a couple. And we also love an Irish recruit here at Free Kick, so it's great to hear <laughs> that uh, Joanne's having a great preseason as well. Yes, she is definitely. They all are. Well, I think we might wrap it up there. Haley, thank you so much for coming on, and good luck for set the season ahead. Thank you so much. I still can't believe we managed to organise that, and what a great chat to have as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I can't, I can't stress enough. Like, I, I almost feel a bit guilty because both Jono and Mal have Haley Miller <laughs> as a t- as a top <laughs> three player. And I was the one that got to do the interview. I, I was absolutely blessed for that one. Look, you were. And look, you were the one who made the hard work and effort to just be in the country. Mel, on the other hand, swanning it up on the east coast of Africa. Jono, somewhere on a holiday up a mountain in the Dolomites. I'm not exactly yeah. filled with sympathy that they didn't get to do that chat. Yep, I mean... Right place, right time, and I'm not going to say no to a chat with Haley Miller. So, but yeah, absolutely fantastic stuff. Big thank you to both Laura and Haley for coming on. We really appreciate their input, and there's some really interesting things that we can take from that as well, which we're about to jump into. I'm sure. Well, let's go straight into the interesting things. Then, Will, let's do you one, two, three, four, five. Your countdowns. Who have you got at number one most relevant player for Fremantle this year? Number one is the most relevant fantasy player in AFLW history. Wasn't someone we particularly talked that much about in the interviews, but anyone who's played this game previously knows this name. It is the great Kiara Bowers. And, I mean, we've talked about her at incredible lengths in so many episodes, but she has an absolutely bananas average of 121, which in – and we, we try and steer clear of the AFL men's comparisons, but 121 is insane in a men's – season let alone in the women's just purely based on time yeah purely based on time because she got a record score of 184 which if you translate that to time in the men's is 230 points in the final game of last season she's it a freak. was just incredible and the other thing about this is and something we haven't talked about that much we actually have increased quarter time so far is going to happen this season, which means she's incredibly fit. She can keep this level of scoring up. Because I think one of the things we talked about a lot at the start of last season was Kiara Bowers, do you start with her? Do you not start with her? She's going to be priced a mile above everyone else. She ended up being a perfect upgrade target mid-season for those who jumped on her. Basically, It basically drove my uh, fantasy season from middling to much better. Yes, and it single-handedly um, destroyed mine. Yeah. Like and I, that timing, like Turbo becoming good and me copying injuries and trading out Dowrick were just like perfect, like perfect you know, synergies. sign graph, just like, oh, yep, in – like Anlan becomes shit now. He's just got a crap tape. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a very niche reference here, but every sinew came together into one perfect hole for this one. <laughs> um, but – Kiara Bowers, I mean, the conversation's always there. We can debate it for hours. I'm basically just going to start with a simple yes or no question for you, Liam. Do you start with her? No, she's too expensive. And I, I, I'm in the same boat. We know that she can do absolutely anything on the field. If you start with her, you are not wrong because you are probably still going to get a player who averages 110 plus. 
But for me, I'm in, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm hesitant to spend. I mean, I think it was something like a quarter of your salary cap last season. It's something too much. Like that. It's it, too much. It's, but, it's a lot. But, but, but the, it's Kiara Bowers. It, it, well, it's not only Turbo. <laughs> and she scored 184 the, literally the last time we watched her play. Here's the other just soul-crushingly destroying fact. Do you remember who some of the easiest teams to score against were last year? Kind of for fantasy. Oh. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It was Sydney and then it was West Coast. Have a guess yeah. who they've got up round one. Oh, is it, oh, you know, Brisbane and Melbourne? No, no it's not. No, it's West Coast. <laughs> she has yeah. West Coast round one. Like if only, like if it had been any other team, it would have been easy to be like, oh, okay, round one, tanks are scoring, tanks, like the, the algorithm is off, her, her value will be down, I'll pick her up in round three. Like I'll, I'll try and pick one player that I normally would otherwise wouldn't upgrade and I'll, I'll get onto turbo as quickly as I can. West Coast round one. West Coast. Mm. Like that's 130 I mean, points. I mean, you say that, but she scored a pretty – she scored below average against West Coast last season, only 116. And that was because she was coming off like basic. She played like forward part of the time the week before. Yep. She was injured. And, and that was the other thing is she didn't have a preseason last year, which is why she started slowly because she had COVID in the off season. She had COVID and she basically didn't get – because she had COVID and then her partner had COVID because yes. we, we listened to that. I just – it's if, – if I could just like – and this is so selfish. Like if you removed Turbo from the game – it would be so much easier. Oh yes, because she after after that one sixteen, which I believe was when I bought her, and most people started jumping on. She did not score less than one hundred and twenty eight for the final five six weeks of the bloody competition. Five weeks of the competition, it's, and one of them was one hundred and eighty four. Like, let's not beat around the bush but here. Yeah, like, yeah, but one of but there was also one hundred and sixty four and one hundred and forty one. Like. <laughs> I, I'm not going to go out too far on a limb here and say she made it difficult to record this podcast, knowing that I had to come on and not have her every week. <laughs> it was it was a challenging time. I'll, I'll say that I, I was absolutely crowing because I was the one that jumped on her first. Um, but yeah, I mean, to Bowers or not to Bowers, that's going to be something that every coach is going to have to <sighs> to decide. If you pick her, you're not wrong. If you don't pick her. You got a lot of money to put elsewhere, but you're going to have to make it count. I just think the thing that makes it easy enough for me is knowing that we've got Collingwood, like the Collingwood mids and Ty mm. Smith, who we're going to talk about from St Kilda, and Georgia Nanscorn. That's like four of five in my midfield. Mm. It's yeah. I I also I almost wonder if because you can pay though for those underpriced ones, you can stump up for a bit. We'll address that later when the – yeah, we'll address that later. We all know about Kiara Bowers. We could talk about her all night, but let's move oh, yes. on. Let's okay. move on. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on to if I was going to play devil's advocate for why turbo scoring improved, and that's because one of these players got injured. Will, who have you got at number two? At number two, we have Gabo Sullivan, who Haley Miller forgot to mention as a midfield option and – once again, we'll apologise to Gab for that, but um, Gabo Sullivan's going to come in priced at thirty nine. 
And every, everyone who's played this game previously knows she's a much better player than that in and the first su- suppose, season. Suppose, sorry. suppose people haven't played previously. What, what has she done in the past? Yeah, I, I was just about to say she, she was maybe not a must-have forward, but she was one of the forwards in season she was she was six. She was the second-highest averaging forward. Like she was absolutely, yeah, I would have almost that was scoring, the must-have. She was scoring 90s. Basically, didn't drop below sixty. It was she, she. She's a wonderful midfield player, and she's a player that, if she's listed as a forward again, which we assume she will, because she did have to fill in a bit up in that forward line because of the injuries that we talked about with uh, Laura and Haley. If she does have to fill in, if she did, because she had to fill in in that forward role, if she keeps that forward status. She's going to be a bargain, and she's going to hopefully go back to average. Even if she goes back to averaging 60, sixty, like that's you've enough. got a bargain. You've and got a bargain. A big bit of that is informed by the fact that she went out injured in one of her games. I can't remember. It was a single digit score. It was an eight in round seven. That was yeah. her last uh, game for the year. Yeah, like that's the that's the real thing that really pushes this over the line. Like the first two games of the year, she played permanently forward. Then. The next three, it was a 53, a 77, and a 41. Mm, still a and lot of forward was, time. And still with forward time, but like also playing a little bit more midfield. And then round seven, does her knee, she's out. Um, I know that she clearly still wants to play as a midfielder, not because I've talked to her, not because I have any personal connection, but watching the Emily Feidler highlights. Um, in the Waffle W, she was playing with Gabbo Sullivan and just popping it down Gab's throat the entire time mm. as a pure midfielder. So if she's there again and at 30, her price will be like, she'll be priced at a number that begins with a three. In a season where you were legitimately asking if we could buy someone who's priced started with 120 in it, like surely she's, she's the value play. I agree. And, Especially when we were talking to Haley, um, she rattled off a whole lot of names that can run through that midfield. But Frio's best midfield is Bowers, Miller, O'Sullivan. Simple as that. And if yep. that happens, she's a no-brainer. Hundred percent. Like I, I uh, this is a player that I'd almost forgotten was going to be priced so cheap in the off season. And then doing the research of this, I'm like, oh, of course, she'll be. She'll. She doesn't have to worry about a discount. Because she played enough games to qualify, she's in. Like she's going to be priced below forty. She's a hundred percent. Like I, I think Gabo Sullivan is more likely to be on my side than Cara Bowers. Yeah. Um. Well, that was quite emphatic of me, and so we can just end the podcast there. No, Will, <laughs> I'm going to throw to you for our third one. Who have you got? Who is the third Fremantle docker most fantasy relevant? And number three, I've got the player that. Both of our interviewees said, watch out for this player, and that is Anya Tig. Because everything we've heard coming out of the club suggests that she's in for a bumpy year. She's going to be listed as a forward. We know forwards are going to be a bit of a, you know, a bit of a roulette. So if she's one that can genuinely nail down that forward role, I think she's one that could be a bit of a, a left field pick, perhaps. So What's what's the thinking there on why she might bump up her fantasy scoring? Because I seem to remember she did that in her first like proper season in season six. I think the reason's twofold. 
So firstly, she's actually got a proper position now because she was played all over the park when she was playing in season six. She was playing at center back, played a bit through the ruck, played in the forward line. She's now had a, a proper season slash preseason playing as a forward. And the second thing for me is she was playing as a full forward last season in a team that had literally no other options. So she was yeah. getting the best defender every week. Um, you know, teams new, stop on your tie, stop Frio because they don't have any other forwards. And with some of their recruits, sorry, some of their players coming back basically like recruits because of the injuries, I think that'll free her up a bit. And I reckon she can continue to do similar to what she did against Hawthorne in the final game last year where she kicked four goals and scored a 96. Yeah, I think it's possible. And I think as like roughies go, she's definitely one to watch. I don't necessarily think she has the – it's going to sound ridiculous because upside doesn't have types, but she doesn't have the type of upside that I want. She doesn't have mm. the kind of like get more possessions upside. It's very lumpy, needs goals. And I know we've yeah. talked about this a bunch in the past, but it's it's not impossible to have key forwards in AFLW fantasy who can be relevant players. I just think she's going to be priced too expensively. I I, I agree. I, I agree. And I think the reason I've, I've – put her there is is because of all the suggestions from Freo and the players, but also because I think she's one of those players that will be like, see how she goes in the first couple of weeks. Maybe she comes out and scores a couple of 80s and becomes a must-have forward, and yeah. then you can do your upgrades. I would, act, yeah, I, think, I, I would think it's kind of, yeah, the alternative is more she has a few lean rounds because, you know, she has a tough matchup a few weeks in a row. Tough tough matchup like uh, West Coast to I, start. I know, I know. <laughs> West Coast are a tough matchup. That's why you know the superior side, the Bombers, absolutely pants them last year. No, <laughs> I'm being I'm, I'm being harsh. Um, I think it's possible. I just think it's unlikely. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's a speculative one, and I, I'm I'm happy to admit that. But you know that's kind of what you got to do on some of these sides. They've kind of got the the primo options. They're ones we're really keen about, and then we're kind of like, well, these are definitely names to continue to consider. So. Will, who are you going to have as your fourth most relevant player? Because I have a well, feeling my, they, their name yeah. might have been mentioned already. It is uh, Laura Pugh. Uh, no. Um, no. <laughs> it's Hayley Miller. It's Hayley Miller, Laura Pugh. Outrageous. Fantastic to chat with, but unfortunately being a, a small defender doesn't lead to fantasy points, but being the skipper in the midfield does. And Hayley Miller is one of those primos that you're talking about, which you'll look at and go, she's pretty good, happy to have her in a side. Would you pick her to start with? Not sure you would, given the options around. Um, there is potentially a bit of upside there because she did have a down season last year. She said she was carrying a, carrying an injury pretty much the whole year, uh, or the whole season rather, because her um, season six was brilliant. And that's basically what led her to being a favourite here. And if she can return to that sort of form, there actually is a bit of upside there. Whether that happens, oh, who knows? She might be the sort of player that you're – targeting as an upgrade, similar to Maddie Prasparkas that we talked about last episode. I, I'm i actually of the mind that she fits, like, in this awkward in-between category with uh, Ash Riddell. I think she and Ash Riddell are the two players that I'm going to have to really consider. Do I go Bree Davey and Britt Benici, one, two, or do I consider going up a little bit more to a player priced in the 70s? Because Miller will be priced at 73, but who has a 90-plus averaging ceiling. 
I think Hayley Miller and Ash Riddell are the two that I'm really fascinated in. And funnily enough, they're both in a similar mold in that they're hyper-fit players, and we're going to have those longer quarters. I think, and they also kind of play offside to like a primo elite, as good as you can get for their position fantasy player, Jazz Garner and Turbo. I think this is the, I'm, I'm not 100% set on whether or not there'll be that kind of price bracket in my midfield, but I'm not ruling it off the table because Hayley Miller does have 90 plus averaging ceiling. Mm. Yeah. Hayley Miller could be a, a, a good option if she, especially if you pick her early when, if she does go back to that 90 average, but that she's in that kind of awkward midfielder group where do you go for the injury player? Do you go straight up to a premium? It's going to depend on your structures. Yeah. But don't don't rule out Haley Miller. She's a player with massive upside who we know has done it in the past. And so we're kind of on to our final of the Fremantle players. Will, who have you picked at number five, knowing that we've had a smorgasbord of like big names that we've talked about a lot for two seasons? Yeah, I struggled to pick my number five. And in the end, I went for an old favourite that caused me a bit of trouble last year because I picked her to start and she... Greatly disappointed me. You, you, I know you didn't click the buttons on my team, but you convinced me I to pick did. this player and, as well. And I am very happy to own up to that one because based on her season six, I was absolutely convinced she was going to take the next step. And this is Sarah Veria, who, to any of our listeners from last year will know, I absolutely went on about Sarah Veria last season. I think she's a fantastic player, but unfortunately... Last season didn't really work for Fremantle. If your name wasn't Turbo, didn't work for you. Yeah. Come back and next year. As a, as a result, it didn't really work for Sarah Veria because the back line was just under the pump all the time. Couldn't get those sort of easy kick marks that were the staple of her game in season six. And as a result, her average absolutely dropped, which is why I think there could be some value there if you're looking for a you know, mid-price defender who could go back up because she did have some really good scores in Season 6, a uh, ceiling of 94, which is really nice. Uh, finished the year with a, a trio of 60s and then a 48 against Hawthorne in a game where they were doing it pretty easy, so wasn't down the back line much. So, yeah, it's it's you I really like your, your barrel. It's a bit of barrel territory, isn't it? it, it yeah, it absolutely is. It's a player that if my fear and I've done this a lot in a lot of different forms of fantasy, which is if my feeling from last season was right then, it's often actually right two or three seasons later. <laughs> so you're this not, could be one of those. You're not wrong. I think the the problem for someone like Veria is not only the kind of game plan that the, the Fremantle struggle because of the injuries, but Emma O'Driscoll kind of took a bit of a step last year up in her averages as well, and I think that definitely contributed to her, like to Veria, kind of not necessarily taking that next step. And I and I think. Kind of want to take it a positive view of it. She doesn't really have a particularly low floor. It is kind of in the 40s. I just don't know if the upside's there, and I don't know if I yeah. see a game plan yet that screams like, yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you said it yourself. There wasn't really many other obvious Fremantle names, so I went for an old favourite. But this is why I'm very keen to see Liam. Who is your Liam special? Because just quickly for those at home, currently 
on our run sheet, his Liam special box is blank. So I'm very excited for this. You don't have enough faith in me, Will. Of course I've got somebody. Oh, no. I've got faith, but I'm excited for the surprise. My Liam special is Mim Strom. Mim Strom. Love it. Because Fill us in. I just don't think we – I don't think at any point she was discussed last year. We did not mention Mim Strom during the year. I think yeah. she I think, was – I think she was – I think she was named in our best 21, and that was it, very possibly. I don't even think that that happened. But funnily enough, she was the fourth highest averaging ruck last year, kind Mm. of out of nowhere. It went Brianne at 80, Gabby Seymour 72, Caitlin Gould, the soon-to-be forward, at 70, and then Nimstrom at 67.5. I I think we've really failed to appreciate that – this is a player coming into their fifth season, sixth season, who took a step mm. up from years prior. I think that there's every possibility she could continue to improve. She's basically improved every year that she's played all games during the season. She went 43 in season five, 55 in season six, and 67 in season seven. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that she takes another step up into the 72 kind of Gabby Seymour range. I don't know. I, I know that it's not a massive amount of upside, but it was a real tough slog to find those upside players at uh, at Fremantle this year. But you can pick worse players than Mim Strom. And if we think about it this way, if you started off with two rookie rucks and then you went into kind of round three or round four in the year and you were looking to pick someone up, I think Mim Strom is the kind of player you could be looking at who may have dipped to begin the year from not an extreme price versus, like, the elite primos. Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely fair enough. I mean, the ruck debate's one we we commonly have about do you pick the the premiums, and I think you're absolutely right. She's got some upside. She's coming into the um, prime of her career, so I don't mind it. Like, it's not actually that outrageous. Yeah. I, I think we've just failed to appreciate that she is – very highly rated, like very highly ranked as well. Like she's twenty two. She's not yeah. even that. She's not even that old. Like it's she. She was picked in the twenty nineteen draft, and she's the fourth highest averaging ruck. Like she is a fantasy relevant name, and I think it's kind of flown under the radar because we faffed around with rucks. You know the Wales twins for half the year last year, and Liv Levicki and Liz McGrath and. A whole host of other possibilities. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, not the worst set and forget, I think. So definitely something to consider. All right. I think that was actually pretty good from me, given I uh, started this episode with a vibe. I'm pretty impressed with that, actually. I'll, I'll yeah, definitely take that. Yep. All right. This is this is what we do here. We do these episodes, we do these recordings late at night, and we just come up with nuggets of gold that we yeah. will definitely not want you fact-checking later in the year. On that delightfully entertaining note that is the end of our episode today i hope everyone enjoyed it i definitely enjoyed talking about mimstrom and gabby o'sullivan i didn't enjoy remembering (laughs) i didn't have turbo last year yeah i I did that's great that's great let's just get to the end of this episode and then i'll tell you what i really (laughs) think so 
If you've enjoyed today's podcast, make sure that you're following us on Instagram and on Twitter at FreeKickWPod because importantly, you're going to see our predicted best 21s for Fremantle this year and you're going to see our best 21s for all 18 AFLW clubs when they do come out. So make sure you're giving us a look there. It'll help to really make sure that you know more about the sides when it comes to picking your team at the end of the year. When it comes to the socials, you can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy. Will, where can they find you? Find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Will H underscore VI. Well, that was a delightfully entertaining episode. And next episode, we're going to have a great chat about Geelong. But until then, oh, see ya. Delightfully entertaining because Geelong love it. This is my Essendon episode, Liam. Will, the episode is already going way too long. We don't need any more talk about it. <laughs> All right. See you later, everyone. Enjoy. See you, everyone.